0: Buffs Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. Oh, what's going on? Welcome into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. Tyler Walgie He is Jared All to my right. Jared, what's going on? How are you feeling? You know,
1: I've I've had better, as they say. Uh, but you know, the sky's not falling. The season is not over. We must continue on. Maybe for you, I'm still wallowing. It's it's been a long, <laughs> it's been a long weekend. That's it sure. was, man. That's no the work. worst part about an 11 a.m. start time is you have
0: all day Saturday to just be pissed off about it. Special thanks to Woos Media. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, check them out online, woosmedia.com, the best online advertising available. All right, Jared, let's get into it. Obviously, a tough game last week. Air Force coming to town. Both of us were obviously overconfident for this one. I thought the Buffs were going to win big, and there's a lot of places to start, but I'm going to start where I'm the most frustrated in this game. See, you had a clear advantage on the outside. LaVisca Chenault averaged about 10 yards of carry every time he touched the football. I understand what we said last week is you can't rely on LaVisca. You can't rely on LaVisca. But when it comes down to... You having one distinct advantage in the football game, you have to keep exploiting that. And I believe if they keep going to the outside, what was the first play of the football game? Very first play. Yeah, right to them. to the big, outside. Big play. But whether it's Brown, Laviska Chenault, whoever you want, Stanley on the outside, whoever you want to get involved, get it on the outside, let us work. Why did CU keep reverting back to that damn running game, wanted to just, they're banging their heads into a brick wall all game long. At some point, you have to say, winning the game is more important than, well, playing CU football and running the football. Jared, I hated the way this game developed. I didn't think they did anything. And look, my new thing kind of lately, which I, I, I like a lot, is I'm not gonna... I, I'm done criticizing individual play calls. You know, if there's anything that has to do with, look, if you're in the building, right, you probably know more than what's going on with coaching hires than we do. If you're in, in, in a coaching room, you probably have more idea of what's going on with the game plan than we do. But there's a difference between calling it to coach out for not running it on a third down or why didn't you have this player in during that or a macro topic of why didn't our skill players, why didn't we die by that? We clearly had the advantage on the outside with the skill players. Why didn't we keep going back to that? And it's not like that was news that they found out this week that, oh, wow, we have this advantage on the
1: outside. Our best skill position players, or I guess our best players on this team, are at the receiver position uh, overall, are, are, are the best position for the Buffs. So you saw it in the first couple of weeks. Once they finally, in the second half, opened up the offense, what did we see? A lot of success with the offense. We saw that in the opening drive. I really thought we saw a different offensive team come out for Sue. I but thought you they know, had adjusted, but you they, know, the, you know what the, what
0: the worst thing was is we got off to a see so you got off to a 10 point start right yes. so it's 10 nothing and then oh we're going to kill them see that's where you need to put
1: your foot on the throat and explode on them until you're up 24 28 31 you know get up big and then you can pull it back and start running the football eating clock we talked about it last week they fell right into all the traps of a game against a team like air force you tried to beat them at their own game running the ball you know you tried to control the clock you tried to do all that instead of taking advantage of what was there
0: for you, I-, I thought that was the biggest mistake. Was just go out there and increase possessions. Now it doesn't take. This is why football uh, coaches are more and more having just one analytics guy on the sideline. I mean, did you see the mistake this week by Pat Narduzzi in the in the pit game where he went for the field goal instead of the touchdown? I didn't see that at the end of the game. Well, it's a Buffs podcast, so we'll keep it with that. But the idea is, you I mean, there are. There's a difference between being a great X's and O's coach. No one, there's different types of coaches, right? There's X's and O's guys. There's motivators. And then there's strategists who are so good late in games. Well, it takes a very rare coach where you're kind of great at all three, and it wouldn't hurt to have a guy on the sidelines to help with little things here or there. And, Jared, I think that if, if whether it's in-game or post-game or pre-game, I mean, you need someone to kind of bring this data to the table and to let coaches know about this. What did we say last week? The reason, the stat that I brought to the table, the reason why I wanted to see Chenault and I mean this, re, this receiving group in general get involved was because of what had happened in the, in, in the past. Air Force, since 2014, every receiver they've faced that's gone to the NFL has gained over 175 receiving yards against Air Force. You know how many Chenault had? Less than that, 125. One, 125. Well, 124 to be exact, but yes. So... That is a black eye on this game. I mean, again, how many people are going to be talking about that? Not many, because it's not a stat that was really out there. But it's and something. he actually had a good statistical game. But when still, you look at what LaVisca Jared, did, I know yes, that 175 on isn't the end-all, be-all number, but the next receiver on the team was Dimitri Stanley with 35 yards. So they didn't do anything to exploit this. And and while you did see LaVisca
1: Chenault's touches and carries and catches uh, go way up from what we've seen from the first two weeks, it still seemed like in key times through the middle part of this game when the Buffs, I mean, Air Force kept giving the Buffs a chance to get back in it, to stay in it, to stay in it, They they'd get turnovers, those sorts of things. And it didn't seem like CU took advantage of those opportunities when they really needed to in that second quarter after things had kind of sputtered a little bit for this offense. I'd like to see you go back and get the ball in LaViska's
0: hands four or five times in a row until they prove to you they can stop it. So obviously this was a bit of a different game because CU got off to that quick start. Now, the thing we'd been stressing after CSU and Nebraska, it got to start quickly. So, it, it's kind of hard to say CU didn't start quick, but after that, they got that 10 nothing lead, then it was lethargic again. So, I think there's a difference between what we saw this game and what we've seen against the Rams and Nebraska. The difference here being, the game plan initially was good, but I think that it was both the coaching staff and the players, they kind of took their foot off the gas after that 10 nothing lead. It was... I think it was a combination of a couple things, Jared. I think the coaching staff is understanding kind of what we were talking about last week, that you want to save things as you move through the season. You don't want to burn things on an Air Force if you're going to kill that team. It was 10 nothing. Maybe at that time the coaching staff said, okay, let's save some of that stuff. Let's quit calling it. And then you know, come the second half, we saw a reemergence of some of that. What do you think about that? I, I think you're on to something there. I think what we saw
1: is, is really... Uh, a team that knows what their weakness has been the first two weeks, and, and that's the way they've started the games. And that team came out and started this game great. And so I think in their minds, cool, check that one off the list. We did it. Now we can move on. I think they moved on a little too soon and didn't understand that this is the type of team in Air Force, the way that they play the game, it is really hard to get back into a rhythm, and I think CU let themselves get out of a rhythm in the way they were attacking offensively.
0: I guess what I'm saying, though, is there's a difference between X's and O's coming out not ready to play, which I, which is what I think happened in the first two games, where it was a, a game planning the, uh, a schematic a lack of, thing. Yes,
1: pro- proper preparation going into it.
0: This game, I think that the scheme was there. Again, first play of the game on the outside, using that advantage, and then that faded once we got a 10-0 lead. So I think that this game was more of... We got this, taking the foot off the gas. Mental. Way too early, yes, and that's how you lose football games here. So there was a difference, and I'm, I think the coaching staff is showing the subtle improvements of the pregame prep, but still, Jared, uh, that was my biggest concern, or my biggest frustration, man, is that you didn't take advantage of what they had on the outsides and kept just trying to run the football, beating their heads into a brick wall, and I'm not going to always harp on Montez. I don't want to make that the thing. I know that's what fans seem, t- tend to do, lean towards the quarterback, Um I guess two things for you. What did you think about Montez? And then what was your biggest frustration overall in the game? Um, As far as what I took from Montez, I I just –
1: it's more of the same, you know. I think this is – Montez is what he is. He's a senior. Uh, And that's the thing, Tyler. I think anyone who's telling themselves that, oh, just wait until he develops and and matures and grows, this is what you're going to get from Steven Montez. He's got all the uh, the measurables. He's got all the arm strength, all the the arm talent. But it just seems like there are too many moments – Throughout a game where he gets lazy, his mechanics are bad, where decisions are bad. He can make the big play. He can come up, come through for you in a big moment. We saw that towards the end of the game, made some big plays, but too much inconsistency. And and unfortunately, like you said, this is his fourth year now playing for the Buffs. Third third year as a full time starter. I just I think you're fooling yourself if you're gonna if you think that this is going to drastically improve. So did did I do I feel like that this game was lost by Stephen Montez? By no means, he actually had a Pretty good game, made some really good plays throughout the game, but he missed on some big time plays, particularly in overtime on a couple of plays late in the game. He missed and and it's not like just like he missed. He missed bad on a couple of plays. And that's the frustrating thing, is man, he can make some unbelievable throws and then miss it when it's right there for them. Um, but to, to, to touch on your second question there. Yeah,
0: your biggest frustration. What was most
1: frustrating for me was actually on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, something we talked about last week that this offense from Air Force, what they want to do is pound it, pound it, pound it, lull you to sleep, and then they slip a receiver out while you're not paying attention. And he's wide open. We saw it time and time again in this game. Only seven completions for Air Force in this game, but nearly every single one came at a crucial moment on a key down, third down plays, you know, big plays that led to touchdowns. I mean, we, there was two touchdowns scored of of, of thirty two yards and eighty one yards passing the ball. So it was actually the passing game that I think
0: really did seize defense. Yeah, Jared, in. this secondary I think has more question marks than we initially thought before the season started, right? The front seven's not really the issue here. Now, there's some things that need to be touched up. I understand that. But it's the secondary. And these transfer... Here's what happened, at least with me, is I put too much stock into these transfers. You know, you get these JUCO guys. They have experience. They're older. They're bigger. that doesn't always work out. Sometimes continuity with the team is actually more valuable than experience. It's, you know, it's, it's case by case. But we gave way too much to the secondary without seeing them prove it. And this is one of the weak spots for the first time in a long time with CU football. When's the last time that, that, you know, during the year, we said, well, it's the secondary. It's the issue. That's always been a strength. You're right. Ever since McIntyre was here. And this is McIntyre. This is Mel first year.
1: And so it's not like. But he is a defensive backs coach by trade. That's what he was doing. I mean, in addition to being the defensive coordinator for Georgia, he was also the defensive backs coach. That's what he does. That's what he did in college. That's what he played. So this is his grouping, his area of expertise. So it is a little frustrating to see that. But, I, you know, the biggest thing I, I take from this game is, Understanding that, yeah, this sucks. This was a frustrating game, but what I want to see from this is where you go from here. I I mentioned it as we came on here. The sky is not falling. The season is not over. uh, CU still has a lot ahead of them, and something I want to see is how do we fix these things moving forward? Are we still talking week 10 about the secondary being the weak point of this team, or have we made those adjustments? Maybe that's switching people out. Maybe that's our schematics that we're doing a little bit differently, but I want to see a team that's playing their best football in November. This is frustrating now, but there's a lot of new stuff getting thrown at this defense, a lot of stuff changing. I just hope that we see...
0: Little by little, the success come from this team. Well, they're going to have a chance to improve defensively next week as we uh, get an Arizona State team on the road, of course. So you U.S. to travel for the first time this year. will actually travel out of the state. Um, but Arizona State has not had a good offense. Now, we'll get to that here in a few minutes. But let's talk about this defense, right? Let's focus on that Colorado defense. And I want to talk, uh, look, if you look at how many points they've given up, they don't rank well in the Pac-12. If you look at you know, their third down conversions, they don't rank well in the Pac-12. But I want to get a little bit deeper and talk about efficiency ratings i think espn does a really good job of going into detail and looking at a multitude of different stats and combining them into what's called an efficiency rating okay this is how good teams are on third down that this actually takes into account how good your opponents are so the fact that cus played you know a csu and an air force who actually air force has decent numbers on offense but that all gets baked into this equation do you want to know out of 130 teams what cus defense is defensively i'm afraid to guess 102 wow that's what they're ranked in defensive efficiency. And that doesn't surprise me. It really does not. I think there's been too many.
1: I mean, you look at their third down conversions, like you talked about, a lot of the big plays and a lot of the situational football, huge plays being given up by CU uh, in, in key moments. So, I am not really surprised at that, but that's got to improve if the, if the Buffs want to have no any chance of kidding. competing in
0: the Pac-12. And that's much better offensively. They're ranked 37th with offensive efficiency, which actually it's not a top 25 stat, but it's good. Again, out of 130 teams, that's, you know, right right there just to give you all an idea that's right there around missouri texas a&m kentucky iowa florida well let's keep florida yeah, out quit, there. <laughs> going down the road you're but getting not, worse and worse I know, as right? we go i know but my point is that, that these teams are all kind of right around cu's offense which is a good thing can you imagine how the potential this team could have if that defense would match it and we're just not seeing that so far um anything you want to add before we stop Talking about last week. I'd like to I just had to move on, no, to be completely gee, honest but with I you. I needed this. <laughs> I needed this as like a therapy health session. And, and just for those who don't know, Jared and I don't talk at all. Before we do this podcast, because we want this to be kind of fresh, and I thought you'd come in more heated than this. To be honest, you know, I mean, we can honestly, tell we can pissed, talk man. until
1: we're blue in the face with this. But to me, we're just beating our heads against the wall. We're seeing the same thing week after week. A, a team that I know, like you talked about, there was some some improvements at the very beginning of the game. It seemed like the Buffs came out out with a better game plan going into the game, but. It, it, it's it's clear that the Buffs need to fix how they're approaching games because there is just too much of a pattern that we're developing here where you're seeing early on in the game a team struggling to find their footing. Well, how do the Buffs go about fixing that? I think offensively, it's pretty clear and obvious to me, and I'm not sure why the Buffs aren't seeing it. Open this offense up. Give me some up-tempo early in the game, something that we've seen the Buffs have a ton of success with, something that this group specifically, the receivers, the receivers, the quarterback and Steven Montez has done their entire career at CU. They've been an up tempo offense. That's what they're comfortable with. That's what they've done successfully. But maybe that's
0: not what Mel Tucker's trying to implement. I get it,
1: but you need to blend that in as you move forward. Get these guys comfortable. Get these guys scoring points. Go jump out to a twenty one nothing lead. Then fine, run the ball all you want. Run your your your, uh, your pro style offense. But you've got to find a way to be more aggressive early. And I think defensively, it really does scream to me a team that is not coming in prepared to handle what they're getting early on. Most coaching staffs go into a game with 10 to 15 scripted plays. That's their first 10 plays or so in the game. So if you are not prepared to handle that, it tells me you did not game plan properly for this team. Now there's three weeks of film out there for the Buffs to watch Arizona State. So there is no excuse to not come out prepared for this opponent coming next week. We'll let's see if you can
0: make those adjustments. We'll talk about Arizona State coming up next. Keep it here. Special thanks to the Wise Listing System team online, paymyfirstmonth.com, and they will do just that. If you're looking to uh, buy a new house, apartment, whether it's a first-time house or maybe the last one that you want to purchase, they will certainly make it a seamless, easy process. I know it can be such a headache looking at different houses, trying to coordinate things, organizing it's a headache. Let them take care of it. They make it such a, such a it, it's, it's almost fun looking for a new house. You don't even think of the stress at all. It's great. I mean, Jared, you just moved. You yeah, always- and I'll tell you what, my wife actually utilized the system, and uh, boy,
1: did she really love working through the, with these guys through the
0: process. Yeah, exactly. They communicate with you, let you know what's going on every step of the way. And like we said, they'll pay your first month's mortgage. I know how much you get nickel and dimed all the time with the moving costs, and sometimes you have to stay in new places, and you have to buy new things for the house. Well, paying your first month's mortgage can be such a relief, and they will do just that online. PayMyFirstMonth.com. Also, I uh, want to thank Woo's Media. As I said earlier in the show, Woo's Media is uh, one of the best at, uh, at consulting either small businesses or getting small businesses going with online advertising. And you want to get creative with the way you advertise digitally on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or just along the internet in general. Check them out online. They have some great prices for big businesses or small, woosmedia.com. All right, welcome back, Buffs Nation podcast, online, buffsnation.com. All right, Jared, before we get into the Arizona State game, and we will dive into this thing, I want to talk to uh, Tyler Fessler. He is a Woos Media Pac-12 correspondent, and he knows a lot about the Pac-12 in general. Uh, So we're going to talk to him, see what he thinks about Arizona State and this matchup coming up this weekend. So let's get to him right now. Tyler Fessler, Woos Media Pac-12 insider. Uh, Tyler, how are you today?
2: I'm doing pretty good.
0: All right, so uh, obviously CU uh, looking forward to their first Pac-12 game of the season. You know a ton of back to Pac-12. We're going to focus on this game right now just to start off. Let's start on offense, though. Next week, who is the key player going to be if CU is going to get a win
2: against Arizona State? I think it starts on the back of number 12. Steven Montez I mean he is the commander he's commander in chief of the the offense and as I've watched CU in these three games Colorado State Nebraska and against Air Force when he's up when he's confident when he's feeling it you can totally tell the team just gravitates to that energy and when he's not feeling it they're not they're not it's a totally different team when he came out in the Nebraska game they came out at halftime they were feeling good they got a couple of got a couple of stops on defense. They were looking really good, and it's all on the back of number 12. If he's able to make the reads and make the plays that he needs to make, they're going to be very successful on offense.
1: Hey, Tyler. Jared here. Uh, Arizona State's been one of the better teams in the Pac-12. They're allowing just seven points per game so far this year. A lot of that starts with their front seven. How do you think CU's offensive line matches up against Arizona State's defensive front? <sighs>
2: Personally, I think this is going to be an amazing bout. I wrote down in my notes and everything as I was watching the last three weeks, I said that this game, this specific game in the Pac-12, is going to be won in the trenches. Colorado has only allowed five sacks on Steven Montez. And Arizona Arizona State, uh, their defense is getting after the quarterbacks. Uh, they average about two and a half sacks a game from from what I found. And like you said, it's going to be one down there on the offensive line, I think that that Colorado has a little bit more of an advantage. They have a little bit more seniority on the on the offensive line, on the defensive line for Arizona State. They just have one senior and only one other senior on the defense, so they're really young. A lot of underclassmen on the Arizona State uh, going and blitzing and stuff like that. So I personally think that Colorado State is going to dominate, and they're going to be able to keep Stephen Montez safe and in protected where he's able to make his reads.
1: Last few weeks, we've really seen the Buffs play great in the second half after struggling through the first half. How important is it for CU to get off to a good start and take a lead into halftime?
2: This is pivotal. This is the most important for Coach Mel Tucker and for the entire CU staff. Number one, if they win this game and they are winning, they win this game if they are winning at halftime. Uh, when they they were losing to Nebraska, they came back and won. They were losing to, to Air Force at the half, they ended up losing that game, right? But they were beating Colorado State. At the half, and they ended up winning. Uh, Arizona State has only the last two games have only had three points through the first half. They've only had 16 points scored in the first half and 43 in the second half. So we know what CU is capable in the second half, uh, how good of an offense that they come alive in the second half. But if they're able to start that just a little bit more, a little bit earlier, then they are going to be able to have success against this Arizona State team and hopefully increase a a large enough lead that, that Arizona State can't come back from it and the offense is going to be able to uh, play the way that they've been able to play in the second half of the last couple
0: of weeks. Talking to uh, Tyler Fessler, Woo's Media Pac-12 Insider. Whenever we need uh, news around the conference, this is the guy we go to. All right, Tyler, let's talk matchups here. While Arizona State has shown to really have a good defense, that's something Jared and I are going to talk about here uh, to wrap the podcast up, but their defense is good. They've struggled offensively, and I think we all know CU's defensive struggles. So when you look at the matchup, who has the edge here? CU's defense or Arizona State's offense?
2: That's a very interesting statistic, and there's a lot of interesting statistics out there right now. Uh, Arizona State has allowed uh, 10 sacks. Through these first three games, they have not protected, uh, Jaden Daniels. He's a true freshman. Now they haven't thrown an interception, but they haven't protected him. So I think that CU, if they get after it and they are be able to, they're going to be able to get back to him, I would give the advantage to CU. They've been able to force fumbles. They've been able to force interceptions, specifically in the Nebraska game. They, they rushed. They were able to get six sacks. It, they look great on defense. If they are going, they are definitely. They've had their struggles, but I honestly think that this is where it's going to be won. Again, in the trenches, and if they're getting back. And a true freshman in his first Pac-12 game, that's like the, the best recipe for a defense to get after him and totally rattle his cage. I don't think that Arizona State's offense can get to the point of beating Colorado's defense. I really like Colorado's defense in this matchup specifically.
1: So, based on what I'm hearing, Tyler, I think I can uh, can tell which way you're leaning, <laughs> but uh, I'd like to get your pick. Who you got on this one?
2: See, I'm going to take the Buffs. Uh, I know that they are on the road. They're in Tempe. But again, Daniels is his first Pac-12 game. This means more. It's not, it's not even a Pac-12 game. It's a Pac-12 South game. They're really fighting for second place right now. Uh, USC hasn't looked really good. Arizona hasn't looked good. UCLA hasn't looked good. These two teams are fighting for you know second place, potentially even first place if, if one of them could knock off Utah. has a lot of implications, and I'm going to err on the side of a little bit more seniority. I want to take colorado by three 30
0: 27 love the prediction there tyler and before we get you out of here you kind of alluded to it right there usc losing last week arizona state starting 3-0 and utah starting fast i think there's a lot of surprises right now within the pac-12 specifically the south so how has the start of the season kind of changed your predictions can we get an updated prediction for for you uh for the pac-12 south specifically
2: I, I'm still going to stick with my in the University of Utah. They've looked very good. I was able to uh, watch the the rivalry game unfold down here in in Utah and the madness that ensued of Utah beating BYU and how great that was. They look good. Now they have played Northern Illinois and Idaho State. They started fast. They still look good, but I, everyone else is kind of. Started slow besides Arizona State and Colorado. So I'm still going to stick with my with my University of Utah pick coming out of the South, but Colorado and Arizona State aren't very far behind.
0: He is Woos Media Pac twelve insider, Tyler Fessler. Tyler is his name. Pac twelve is his game. Thanks, Tyler. Talk to you soon. Yep, thank you. All right, uh, good stuff again there from uh, Tyler Fessler. I-, I love his content. What do you think of the little Tylers his name Pac-12 vs his game? You like that? Zing? You like that? Uh, you know. I'm no, good with uh, headlines around here. Jared. You know, no? maybe <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let like, just say, I had to hold back from thing. laughing
1: as you, you signed him off there, Tyler.
0: What did you think about his optimism for CU's defense? Man, I don't share that optimism. You know, I I want to say that I do
1: share his optimism for CU's ability to win in this game, but that to me is more to do with I don't think Arizona State's as good as what they're being made out to I don't be know. Right Michigan
0: now. State's a pretty good State, team, man. But
1: Michigan State does that every and year. And for those who don't
0: know, Arizona State beat Michigan. Michigan State last week. Arizona State's first two games of the season, first two games of the season. What was it? Sacramento State and like Kent State? Uh that's correct. Yeah. Sacramento State, Kent State, and then Michigan State. Then, so no one knew really how good the Sun Devils were, but last week was a statement game, Jared.
1: But is it really though? Cuz when you look back at Michigan State, and I don't have their year by year breakdown of their games, but when you look at that's what Michigan State does. They're always projected to be this top 10, top 15 team. Maybe they compete in the Big 10. And then they blow it against some mediocre team early in the season. In fact, we actually saw this same kind of performance from Arizona State last year early in the season coming up with a big win. Everybody jumped on board. They became Who a ranked was that last team. last last year. You know, I gotta let go, me, back let and, me look yeah, go back I'll and go back and look and that. see. Yeah. But it's it's something that I think everybody gets so caught up in early in the season that oh my gosh Arizona State beat a ranked Michigan state team on the road. This is the same Arizona State team that a week prior barely beat Sacramento State it at was, home. It was nineteen to
0: seven. <laughs> it was Michigan State last year. Okay, exactly <laughs> my point. So, what did this team do last year, Arizona State? They went seven and six yeah, last but year. But there were so many things going against Arizona State. One thing I do is I, I try and look at these. Look, there, there's like motivation for Arizona for for Michigan State. There was the revenge factor. They're playing at home. Arizona State went into a hostile environment and dominated defensively. Like. That w- that was a big statement. How can you not call that a statement game, Jared? I think you're discrediting that game way too much. And, and maybe
1: maybe I am, Tyler. But I just don't look at Michigan State as a statement win. I think that's that's the equivalent of Colorado being meeting Nebraska. Would you have said that's a statement win right there for Colorado? You no, know,
0: that, that's a pretty good point. I mean, but statement I think those win, two teams are pretty on a pretty even playing field. Well, I, I guess the Arizona State was a statement win for me because I think Arizona State was one, one of the teams I was the most down on this year. You know, I think Herb Edwards was going to have that kind of drought this season. Everyone was going to surpass them, but that, that's not happening. And part of that was because of the freshman quarterback. Tyler mentioned him, Jaden Daniels. Now, this kid's not playing like a freshman quarterback so far this year. No, Three touchdowns, no interceptions, 61% completions. What do you think of uh, Jaden Daniels? I mean, they're going to have to stop him. It, you know, it's
1: interesting because to me, I actually look at – he let him let him go. I want to see them – stop the running game and see if this freshman quarterback in his first Pac-12 action can step up to the plate and have this same type of game. Now that obviously goes a little bit against where we see the, the strengths and weaknesses of the bus. I don't necessarily want to let him go loose with the secondary, but I think what you need to worry about with this Arizona State offense is more Eno Benjamin and yeah. this running game. That's what I'm most worried about, but Jaden Daniels has proven so far early in this season, he is a guy you have to watch out for. But,
0: and they're pretty balanced, too. So it's, it's not like they're run heavy, and 11 rushing attempts, 77 passing attempts, and Jaden Daniels, our quarterback, will get involved in the running game. He's second in the team right now with 31 rush attempts. Now, let's 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 make this very clear. There are teams who like to spread it out, right, give a lot of guys carries, so on and so forth, or there are teams who like to have that feature back. Make no mistake about it. Arizona State is going to give Eno Benjamin the ball the majority of the time. This season, it, it, let's just look at running backs because quarterbacks, that's a different element of the offense, but the running backs... Here's the attempts per running back. Eno Benjamin has 57 attempts. Ian Floyd has 11 attempts. And A.J. Carter has three attempts. Okay? That is the definition of a bell cow. Exactly. So they're going to give Benjamin the ball over and over and over. So it's about stopping that one guy. And if you can, I said Ian Floyd, I should have said Isaiah Floyd. But I digress. It's going to be about stopping him, right? They're going to give him the ball over and over and over, try and get him the ball out of the backfield. I think they try and find him in the receiving game against you, something we haven't seen too much. Eno Benjamin is going to be a big... Yeah,
1: and he's a legitimate superstar. Last season, as a sophomore, went over 1,600 yards and averaged 5.5 yards per carry. So this is not a guy that's coming on the scene. I think everybody knows who he is, and from the Buff standpoint, you can guarantee they're going to be game-planning to stop Eno Benjamin.
0: Anyone else on Arizona State's offense that that CU needs to focus against? Because, I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, but I don't think there's too much that scares me about Arizona State's offense. I know it's always those statements that come back and bite you, but— I don't see Arizona State just just, you know, running it up on on, on CU. I, I don't think this offense is going to do too much. I understand CU's defense, as we said earlier, 102 out of 130 defensive efficiency. I don't think CU's actually that bad. I think that stat improves. I know they're on the road. I know this quarterback hasn't thrown a pick yet, but I think they pressure him, and I actually am not too concerned with this offense. I
1: think the one player, uh, obviously we talked about Eno you know, Benjamin, that's a guy to watch out for, but I think the one player on this offense that scares me, it has more to do with CU uh, tendencies we've seen to give up big plays, and that's Brandon. I apologize if I if I botched his name. It's Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he's a, a six foot one senior. Let's just say this: uh, if he's having a big game, we'll all be all CU fans be saying, uh oh, yuck!" Let's just remember it that way. <laughs> he is averaging right now. He's leading the team in receptions in yards. He's averaging twenty three yards per reception right now. That scares me. I'm afraid to see a guy that can ba- break out and make big plays because I think those big plays plays on either side of the ball, whichever team can come up with those big plays, I think that's the difference, because this is going to be a hard-nosed, hard-fought game, so if you can come up with one or two big plays, that might be the difference for you.
0: Um, I think it's important to kind of use the same statistics, so we're working from apples to apples here, uh, comparing these teams. We mentioned CU's horrible defensive rating, 102 out of 130. Do you want to know Arizona State's offensive Efficiency rating. I'm going to say they're top 25. 104. Really? Oh, oh I'm sorry. D- offensive. I offensive. I thought I was thinking they're defensive. Yes. Yes. Offensive okay. rating. 104 out of 130. So that's my point is yeah, not, not both of these units, CU and Arizona State, are both very, very deficient. The question is, who breaks through this week? And I think CU's defense has a bigger chance to break through. And and Tyler kind of alluded
1: to it when we had the interview there that this is the, the opportunity that CU needs coming off of the last few weeks going up against an offense that I, I don't want to say it doesn't scare you, But it's one that you can work some things out. If you're trying to figure out what's going wrong with your defense, where maybe some of the holes are, it gives you an opportunity to maybe work some things out, maybe try playing a few different players if you think that might be some of the issues. So it is nice to have an opportunity to go against a team that you're not worried about them
0: putting up 40 or 50 points on you. All right, now let's get to that defense, right? Because... To win this game, I don't believe it's going to be a high-scoring affair. So, you in the the way that both these teams have performed so far this season, especially the way that Arizona State's defense has played, and they're going to be at home. Okay, you you combine all that, you just don't see a forty-eight forty-four game. Not at all. If CU's going to win this game, they're going to have to play good defensively and take their opportunities on offense. Now, I just had you guess the efficiency rating for Arizona State's offense. Now, let, let's get to your other answer. What do you think Arizona State's defense rating It's got to be a top 25. Yeah, and this is the efficiency rating on ESPN.com, which is a good stat. Arizona State is 18th in the nation according to defensive efficiency. This is an elite defense, one of the best in the Pac-12. Matter of fact, statistically right now, they're only behind Oregon, who's 14th overall. I think this is a defense that you cannot take lightly, from their secondary all the way to the to, to the defensive uh, linemen. I mean, there's not really a, a huge weak spot on this defense, Jared. So how do you attack it? I think the best
1: way to attack it is through the air. I think the, the defensive front seven for Arizona State is
0: definitely their strongest. By affairs. the way, for those listening this year, this is the first time in four in the fourth game this is that Jared said they need to throw the football to be effective. <laughs> <laughs> You're
1: Mr. Run the football. Yeah, I, I hey I'm learning my lesson. Let's see if Mel Tucker and this coaching staff starts to learn theirs, that they need to open it up. Uh, you know, there's actually a lot of experience returning. Now they're still a very young defense, but they're returning eight starters overall um, from last year. So there's playmakers at all three levels of this game, but I think the linebacking core is probably the strongest point of this defense. So running the ball on this team is going to be difficult. I think it will be key to start early, opening it up, spreading it out, spreading this defense out to open up some running lanes for Alex Fontenot and Jaron
0: Mangum. I don't want everyone to get sick of me talking about these efficiency ratings, right? Because I know I've been kind of harping on that this this show But it's important to, again, like I said, not throw out nine different ratings and to be congruent with this. And a huge positive for me, okay, is that these ratings take into account who you're playing. So they know difficulty of of opponent. If you're just beating up on bad people, you're not going to be a very good, you know, rated team in these stats. Do you want to know... Air Force in Nebraska's rating. Defensive efficiency. These are two good defenses that CU move the ball on. Air Force is 20th in the nation. Defensive efficiency. Now, they've only played two games. They had a bye before CU. So small sample size there. And Nebraska is 28th in the nation. So... I know we all want to kind of wash Nebraska down as being overrated, but those two defenses that CU saw were just a half a notch below where Arizona State is perceived to be. Still a good defense, but I think that CU does have a slight edge here. I mean, the 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 ESPN right now percentage for them to give CU to win the game is like, A twenty-eight percent chance to win the game, seventy-two percent to Arizona State. That to me is really that's a
1: a gut shot reaction to what we saw last week. That's a CU team that struggled. That's an Arizona State team that looked strong against a perceived strong opponent. And I think that's a reaction to that. I think you're going to see that line probably moving throughout the week.
0: Uh, CU's players specifically. I know you mentioned Alex Fontenot. He's broken through this year. I mean, he's obviously our feature back, but. What do you think of Jaron Mangum? You know, we're a quarter into the season. And by the way, folks, college football is not long. We are 25% done through the season. And that was my biggest thing with, with last week, Jared, is how many fans are still saying, well, hey, we're still trying to, you know, it's early on. It's like, no, it seems early on because it's on the calendar. We've only been three weeks into the season. But you're 25% into the year right now. I mean, this is a young, or isn't is, the season is not young right now. So just keep that in mind. I mean, I feel like I heard that too much after the last game. Um, but but how do you feel about Jaron Mangum right now?
1: I think he's a guy that's continuing to get better and better week by week. I think you saw early on he struggled a little bit in that first game to kind of find his footing, get anywhere. I think he only averaged about 3.5 yards per carry. But you look back at this this last game against Air Force, he was actually the leading rusher for the Buffs and had the, yeah. Uh, yeah. the, the best, but by far much better yards per carry at 5.6 yards per carry, which is really that number you need to be at. If you're not approaching that 5 to 6 yards per carry in college football, you're not doing very well running the ball. So I think he's a guy that's getting better as he goes on. I I think it was was interesting to note, and I think important to note, that in the fourth quarter, in overtime, Jaron Mangum was on the field in key downs. He's clearly gaining the trust and the faith of this coaching staff and his teammates as a young player. So good to see. I think he has a huge feature. I think you still see as the season goes on, Jaron Mangum taking over as the number one back. As good as Alex Fontenot has been, I think Jaron Mangum keeps getting better as the season goes on.
0: We have made an effort not to criticize play calling, and we're not about to start doing that now, but you know something that you hasn't done this year that you wonder are they going to do it are they saving it or is it just not in the offensive scheme is throwing the football to these running backs now again this may be because this offensive staff realizes these guys aren't great catching the football out of the backfield it doesn't fit into the scheme it could be for a number of reasons but the fact is combined on the season Alex Fontenot and Jaron Mangum have only eight catches now that that Alex Fontenot has five, Mangum has three. Those are the two, you know, bottom on the team in terms of what they do with the ball. Everybody above them, both tight ends, Dimitri Stanley, Jackson, Brown, Katie, Nixon, Chenault, every time they touch the ball, they're more productive. So not only are we not getting the ball to our running backs, we're not doing it. They're not doing anything when they do get the football. Do you want to see more of that? I feel like these guys could do, that could be another wrinkle in the playbook. I, I see where you're going with Especially that. Especially with when, Fontenot,
1: who's a little bit quicker on the outside. W- when I look at the receiving core for CU, I think they have several guys that they really are using in those roles. They like yeah, to use right. Lavisca, Chenault that way, Katie Nixon. So you are seeing a lot of that short screen game, swing passes, those sort of things. So it may just be a situation where they're so stacked at the receiver position, they want to maximize getting those guys and the playmakers on the field. So they're utilizing guys you know that, that are at the receiver position and more of running back hybrid role. So I, I don't know necessarily that it's something that I think just has to get involved in the game. Now, is that another wrinkle that you can throw in that might get a guy like a Katie Nixon open deep or a Leviscan Chanel open o- over the middle of the field? I think those are some of the wrinkles that I, I think you do continue to build on
0: as you're starting to see things be, you know, go one way or the other. All right, good stuff, Jared. A couple of players who we didn't mention on defense that I want to point out there, and it's actually nothing, you know in terms of you know great specific stats, but it's just what the safeties are doing in this whole scheme of the defense. Right now, if you look at total tackles, obviously Nate Landman leading that stat, that was not tough to predict. But both safeties are 2-3 behind that. And Mikhail Onu, even though I think his coverage is lacking right now, is doing a good job in run support. Both these safeties are. So I think... Although earlier I was complaining that, look, in pass coverage, we get so excited about these Juco transfers, but what we are seeing is that in the running game, they're supporting and they're flying around the field, making tackles, making plays. That's at least a positive that we didn't talk about earlier.
1: Yeah, and Mikhail Onu has certainly shown a propensity to get big plays. He has made big Big plays throughout every game of the season but it's that every down plays you know he's he's kind of like the steven montez of this defense man you can make some great plays but when you just need to make an average play can you just make the play you're supposed
0: to make but we always talk about onu and i think aaron maddox who by the way is second on the team in tackles is right now the standout safety Unfortunately, Jared, you uh, notified me before the show that mm, some bad news is surrounding uh, Aaron. Yeah, uh, if you didn't see, Aaron
1: Maddox went down, uh, I believe it was early in the third quarter of that game, actually off-field as he's coming off the field on a play, uh, runs into some of the equipment on the side, a laceration to his leg, (laughs) and it sounds like it may be more serious than initially initially thought, and this is coming from cuindependent.com. They know he's looking at a four to five week minimum being out. So we're going to be without Aaron Maddox
0: for upwards of a month and, and as you know, he's one of the better players so far for the Buffs this year. All right, So let's let's pull this schedule up and see what the time frame would look like there. Um, give me just a second here, Jared. It, well, and, and just uh, Darian Rakestraw was the safety who came in and filled in. I mean, we've seen him before. He's would you say reliable? He knows the. You know, system. I don't know that we've.
1: He, sure, he he he's experienced. He's been right, around for I, I, several I, I, years. We haven't seen reliable. Him that often, I right. don't know. I mean, he's come in and just spot duty. We've never seen him play for several
0: weeks straight. I guess what I'm saying is you'd rather have a guy who's been around. But how what do we? Ta- this this is a new defense. I mean, I guess with the if you have the continuity of being around the team for a couple of years, but when you're switching things up, I guess that just doesn't exist right now. Um. All right. So four to five weeks. Let's see. So Arizona State, then a bye week, then Arizona. Oh, then Oregon, so that's a month on the Oregon, o- and then followed up by Washington State. So both on the road. So we're targeting a likely return October 25th at home against UFC. If not a little earlier, I don't think it would be any earlier than October 19th at Washington State. So the three games, and I mean, I guess it's good we have the early. It's bye always week. it's always helps when you have a buy in there that yeah. you can allow yourself to get healthy. So, but Jared, let's also remember. That this is football, and, and this is just the first injury, right? So there there's probably going to be more around the corner, but this certainly was an impactful injury. As I said, second on the team in tackles. He's going to miss at least two ranked games on the road. Arizona State's number 24. That's a ranked game on the road. Oregon Ducks are on the road October 11th. They're number 16 right now. They're not falling out of the top 25. That's, that's going to be difficult without, as I said, right now, probably your best safety. And I look at the next
1: two games being at Arizona State and then a home against Arizona as probably almost more critical games for him to be gone, not because I I think that they're any better or worse of teams, but because these are games that CU really needs to bounce back right now and play a great game, especially on this defense that has really struggled. So to be out without one of your leaders, one of your biggest playmakers, that's going to be tough against a, game, against a team that I think most people would agree you're pretty evenly matched up against. You Miss a big player like that that has a huge impact on this game.
0: Are we missing anything with this uh, preview? I know you mentioned in the interview with Tyler that they've only allowed seven points per game. They've allowed exactly seven points per game against Kent, uh, Sacramento, and Michigan State. They allowed one touchdown per game. This Arizona State defense, so they're the real deal, folks. You know they, they, this is nothing to take lightly. But uh, I think CU can find their their ways their 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 chances this game in and in, in capitalize at least be able to score. You know, what do you think it's going to take to win this game, 20, 23 points? I actually even have it lower than
1: that. I think it You really got a prediction here? I, I do. I got Buffs winning at 17 to 14. So I have a very low-scoring game. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Buffs. I think that they have shown the resiliency to never quit. They got punched in the mouth last week. They fought back. They couldn't quite respond. I think we see an energized team coming out from the start, particularly on this defensive side of the ball. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. You're going to see a lot of punting in this game. Be prepared for that. I think the Buffs need to capitalize on a couple of big plays. Looking at LaVisca Chennault, looking at KD Nixon, step up, make a couple of big plays, and I think that's the difference in winning this game.
0: Yeah, I could see a 23-17 type of game. Low scoring, CU pulls it out with, you know, I, I think it does come down to a few third-down conver- uh, conversions, a few times where CU has a little bit more offensively because, let's face it, those efficiency ratings I read earlier, CU has the higher ceiling there. You know, I don't think Arizona State finishes a top-18 defense, maybe right around there, but I don't think they're that good. And I, don't, I certainly don't think CU finishes that low in offensive ratings. That CU's about, You know, I think at worst, average. Right, which, uh, 130, uh, that's about 65 or so. Good math. Thanks, Jared. So right around there is where I see CU at worst. We started to see some improvements this week, as I mentioned. Very similar between Arizona, Nebraska, and this defense. So as long as you don't get overwhelmed up front, which I don't think the CU line will. A lot of this game is going to come down to that line. I think CU can win 23-17 or so. Before we get out of here, Jared, I know you were giving me a lot of uh, grief before the season started because I said when we were talking about the most important games of the season, We were, is it Nebraska early on? Is it late against Washington, that midseason matchup against Oregon? Is it Utah at the end of the year? I was, you thought I was being Skip Bayless over here, and I'm like, it's Arizona State. And you looked at me like I'm crazy, but my point was, it's our first Pac-12 game, right before the bye week, and we will have seen what CU looks like after three non-conference games. I still stand by that. If CU loses this game, goes into the bye week, losing two in a row, Now it depends on how they lose it, but still, losing two in a row... You have time to think about that, to settle on that. Can we win in the Pac-12? We couldn't even beat Air Force. This could be a bad loss for CU mentally moving forward. This could also be just as big of a win if you beat Arizona State. Hey, who cares? We have Air Force in the rearview mirror. That doesn't matter at all. It was a weird quirky triple option. Move past it. We beat Arizona State, a ranked team on the road. Now we're heading into a bye week to get healthy. Read game plan for the Pac-12. This win could catapult CU to a bowl game, or if you lose it, it could crumble their entire year. I said it before this and I stick by it right now, this is the most important game.
1: How did I know that this was going to come up? (laughs) I'm sitting here this weekend putting my notes together in the back of my head. I'm going, he's going to remind me of of the fact that he picked this one. And you're right, Tyler. When you look at where CU's at, how the season has started out, I think you're absolutely right. If this game... Doesn't go well for the Buffs. Things could get out of hand for this team. This is a team, you look as the schedule goes on, it gets harder and harder and harder. If you don't start capitalizing on opportunities to get wins, you're going to start to see a demoralized team that loses confidence going forward. You go back out and get this win... Air Force is completely behind it. You don't even think about that again. You build, you get stronger as the year goes on. So this is a big game for the Buffs to come out and prove they do belong. They are competing in the Pac-12 South, and they have every opportunity that anyone in that conference does to go to that championship game.
0: Let's go Buffs get a big win. We'll talk to you next week on Buffs Nation.